You are listening to the Sports CDP Crash Course, your go-to podcast for all things sports related. We talk about how sports clubs and teams can sell more tickets and merchandise than ever before and how they can negotiate sponsorship agreements of higher value. We also champion women's sports and discuss how data and innovation can help bring equality to the sports industry. We have interviewed industry leaders who have worked with the likes of the NFL, FC Barcelona, Women in Football UK, FIBA, the Davis Cup, just to name a few. So don't miss out. Listen to today's episode. Our next guest is Nancy Hensley, a dynamic product and marketing leader specializing in AI and data-driven technology. Nancy is also one of the founding members of Mercury 13, a multi-club ownership group focused on acquiring controlling stakes in professional women's football teams across Europe and Latin America. Mercury 13 is one of the most talked about companies in global sports right now, so you know this conversation is about to be incredible. Nancy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Excited to be here. Before we begin, we like to start off our sessions with an icebreaker. Are you ready for that? Let's do it. (laughs) What's your favorite quote, expression, or motto, and why is it your favorite? So one of my favorites has always been a Walt Disney quote, and it's kind of fun to do the impossible. And the reason why I love that is that I personally get so much energy from a collaborative, innovative process when you get a bunch of brilliant people in the room I do feel like you can figure out just about anything. And so it it's to me just kind of helps change that a challenge into something that or change something that seems impossible into a challenge that's really fun. And I agree. It is kind of fun to do the impossible, especially when you've got a great team of people that you get to collaborate with and figure it out. So that's always really energized me. And I it's just one of my favorite quotes. And that idea of teams is something that I would actually love us to explore a bit more, but a bit later on in the podcast. Right now, though, I'm very curious, Nancy, how did you first get started in sports and when did you decide to make sports your career? (laughs) That's a great question. So I've always been in data and AI, I spent uh, 20 years in big tech at IBM. Um, fell in love with data analytics very early in my career. And so anything that I did, whether it was in product or marketing or development or digital transformation was always in and around data and AI. And so when the opportunity came to combine that love with my love of sports, I was like, yeah. And I think like a lot of people, I didn't realize that sports tech was a thing. And I think that's one of the things that I've in the last few years tried to set out to change, like, especially with younger girls that, so they realize that this is a thing or even athletes as they think about what's next from their career when they stop playing. And so um, to me, it's, it's an exciting growing area to be in. And so I jumped in in 2020, about three weeks before COVID hit and things, everything stopped. And I remember my friends at IBM calling me like, "Uh Oh, what did you do? I was like, I don't know. (laughs) But that again, that was one of those, it's kind of fun to do the impossible challenge. Like, okay, what do we do now that sports has stopped? And so we, we really did some great things like launching the analyst site um, and had some really great collaborative time. So, you know, I'm really proud of, of what the team and I had accomplished there 
um, exciting times, learned a lot, and it was a great introduction to being in sports for me. It's quite incredible that actually your quote, you've you've lived, right? You've lived it out because when you just said that it, like you made the change and then three weeks later, COVID, something that we had never experienced before in, in this lifetime anyway, in this generation of just like everything is shutting down. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> crazy. It was absolutely crazy. When, when live sports stopped and the world was just still, and you really are rethinking like, okay, what do we do now? (laughs) It's it's one of those moments that that quote really applies. Absolutely incredible. I think that's something that I can also take home and just sort of look at and be like, it's fun to do the impossible. Thank you so much for sharing that quote. And something that you mentioned that I, I think is quite intriguing and is indeed quite topical at the moment is that idea of AI, data, and like technology, all those things that are, I mean, sports tech has always been a thing, but it feels like we're, we're experiencing a boom of just more technology coming to sports. Why do you think that these two areas of AI and data are significant to today's sporting landscape? I think, so AI has been there for a while, but I think it's been more um, contained into specific areas and more focused on like the back room, the money ball scenarios where the data scientists are whispering in the coach's ears about game analysis and strategy and player analysis and draft and recruitment. And I think what's happened with the progression of generative AI and some of the new capabilities is that a lot of those capabilities of AI have become more democratized. And that's, you know, the reason why ChatGPT is so popular and the reason why it went crazy is because now everybody has this superpower of generative AI, right? Of of these large language models. And so now you're starting to see it become more commoditized and show up across more solutions, including fan engagement. So it's, it's changing the way we consume sports. It's changing the way we can view sports. And so to me, that's really, really exciting. It's not, it's not that backroom thing anymore. It's, it's, it's available to everyone. So I think that's why you've seen this big change. That's absolutely wonderful. And that's actually something I'd, I'd never thought about before that it's actually just now becoming more not mainstream, but available for the everyday person. You don't need to be a data scientist anymore to make use of AI or to make use of data, in fact. Wonderful insight there. But from AI to data-driven tech, I mean, from um, AI and data-driven technology to now investing in women's football clubs with Mercury 13, first of all, wow, and super (laughs) massive congratulations because you are, you and your team are making the change that a lot of us have always wished we could see in the sports industry. So thank you for your service. But what inspired this move? Oh my gosh. So, I mean, our founder, Victoire, is probably the biggest part of the inspiration. We met actually, I became a very vocal advocate of women in sports in the same way that I'd been an advocate of women in technology and STEM. And so I had the honor of meeting Victoire when she was on one of my panels talking about the challenges of women in football. And so we had kept in touch and um, we got reconnected after I had recently left Stats Perform. I was doing some independent consulting and she's 
she said, I have this idea. I was like, wait, didn't you just have a baby? <laughs> she Literally, if you see some interviews, she talks about how she was having these conversations and writing these presentations about this idea literally when she was in labor. And so we, we just nonstop talked about it. And it just, you know, we both felt this passion. I mean, she's always been in football. She's such an inspiration to so many. And so I think it was just, it was almost like a very natural process where more people came together and had this shared passion about really challenging the paradigm of ownership and disrupting it with ideas that actually help grow women's football um, for the benefit of the athletes themselves and the fans, right? I mean, those are two underserved segments of women's football in our opinions, right? The, the athletes haven't gotten the amount of equity and resources and pay and, and everything. And then the fans have been generally underserved because people don't understand who they are. Um, a lot of the experiences haven't been built for them because football has been so steeped in tradition as a, a men's sport. So I think really challenging those two things is what drove a lot of us. And we came together very quickly, all got together in London and kind of been like, let's do this mode. And yet again, I think that's another perfect example of that quote of it's fun to do the impossible because mm-hmm. looking at you, listening to you, I mean, you're not, I, I, and I, I say this, but like, that's, these are the only words that are coming to my mind right now. You're not burdened by the, by the mission, you know, because sometimes when you, when you read things and you understand the extent to which maybe women's sports don't get the same treatment, the same funding, the same opportunities and investment, that can be very heavy because it's firstly unjust. And as people, we naturally just don't like injustice. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's also like, that's that's really something I wanted to, to point out. The fact that you're really embodying that it's fun to do the impossible quote again. Um, and then you you mentioned the the team. You mentioned like a few of you got to get got together, and you've been alluding to it actually that the team is basically why you're all here and why you're making it work. But yeah. how does the process of building such a team like how did that process go about? Because you said you met up in London, and then sort of the rest is as we know it is history. But what what does that process look like? Because I, I believe that most of us want to do the impossible, but we right. don't necessarily have fun when we're doing it. So we end up quitting or we end up thinking, uh, and, and you said it yourself, when you do it alone, it's not as fun. So how do you actually build that team? What is the process? So it starts with a strong, determined and inspired leader, which we have in Victoire. And her making the call out to people she knew would share that passion and share that mission. And that's really the second thing is that does does everybody believe in and feel passionate about the mission of what we're trying to do? And I think with almost any company, no matter what industry you have, if you really understand the mission and you're really truly driven by that, then magic happens, right? And there are a lot of companies that have great talent and great technology and great opportunity, but if not everybody really feels that shared passion of mission, if you don't have that strong, inspiring leader, those are the two ingredients for how things come together in a way that, like I said, that the magic happens. Um, And so it was really Victoire calling out to her mentors and the people that she felt would come together 
almost like a startup, really. I think that's the way we're looking at it because we're not looking at women's football as a foundation or a charitable cause. We're looking to show that it is a sustainable business. We're looking to educate the public about who the women's football fan is. We're looking to empower the female athlete with capabilities and data and analytics empower her not empower the coach and not empower like empower her with that right and so i think um the various people that come together bring a lot of different expertise just like you would build a startup and that's how she started to pull it all together and it really was a very natural process like it, it happened very quickly when we when we physically all got together it did feel like there was some sort of magic happening in the room and and everybody was just ready to just let's go let's just go <laughs> how important is it nancy to view women's sports as a startup or along those lines than as a foundation or as a not-for-profit or something like that i think it's really important i think you know football as a sport has long been a a multi-billion dollar business that's not profitable. And when you think about those two things, it, it doesn't make sense. Right? And I think that's been a topic of discussion for a long time. If we could rebuild or rethink that this is a sustainable business and we're going to do things differently to prove that, then I think then we can change that. And it's important because that, that cycle of sponsors and media coverage that is so important to the health and wellness of women's sports or any sport needs to see that it is a sustainable business right um and so i think that drives us every single day how do we do that how do we how do we elevate the fan how do we understand them better how do we provide a great experience for them how do we empower the athlete how do we use data and ai to be smarter about the things we do and all of that leading to a, a better experience for the fan, right? A better experience for the 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 women themselves, the athletes, the players, and also just kind of really shifting the paradigm away from this is a losing proposition to this is a growing, prosperous sport, and we're gonna we're gonna prove that. And I think when you know I've said it, if you strip away the fact that it's women's sports and you just just look at the data the the growth in the audience the growth engagement the growth in sponsorship revenue just in the last 12 to 24 months if you just if you just showed someone the numbers like here's a business opportunity right they would be like oh i'm in right and i think we've got to fight past that prejudice that no one watches women's sports it's a different fan um and it's all about education and that's what i'm finding like once people understand and once people can get past that and they can see the growth potential to me women's sports are the new growth stock of sports and mm -hmm. so we can show that it's a sustainable business and would you is it fair to say that although women's sports have been for so long overlooked it's also working to their our advantage in a sense that everything is sort of taking off now when there's so much more like look at how many social media platforms there are out there so you can't get away with sort of like misinformation or you can't get away with like 
spreading the wrong kind of hiding things so is that a fair assessment and sort of like I know it's of course it's unfair in and of itself but the fact that the timing is just so perfect what, what do you think about that so I, yeah I agree and I think I think it's also interesting that you're seeing the growth across multiple sports right it's not just women's football we can say hey there were two billion viewers of the world cup and we had this 30 percent increase in sponsorship revenue and um, you know, FIFA did well for the first time on a Women's World Cup. It's not even just that. It's the fact that 90 plus thousand people showed up for a women's volleyball game in Nebraska. 55,000 showed up for a women's basketball game in Iowa. Like it's just sport after sport after sport. People are showing up. And so it's it's great to see all that. And the thing I love about women's sports is that we all support each other. And so when volleyball wins, football wins, right? When basketball wins, football wins, right? We all win because it's shining the light on the fact that the women's game is a good product. It's a good product, right? And so if people can just tune in, just show up for the matches and have that experience, we know we can get them as fans. And the sponsors know that these are more engaged fans, more likely to support their brands, the ones who are in. And for those who don't know, I think it's just, it's an education that we've got to be committed to doing. And uh, speaking of being committed to, to the education and, and other things, I, I think you, you briefly touched upon this earlier, but maybe to give it a bit more context and even more explanation, but what is the team at Mercury 13 hoping to accomplish in the next five years? And what strategies are you employing to get there? So um, in, a, in a most simplistic way, what we're hoping to accomplish is to really challenge the paradigm of ownership. I mean, as you know, there's only a few clubs that are individually owned. It's not like here in the U.S. where they're individually owned and individually operated. And because of that, bundling effect, whether it's sponsorship or media dollars, the women are just not getting the, the right amount of resources to truly reach their growth potential that they can. And so for us coming in and say, hey, we want to invest in the women's team, that's going to create a lot of really interesting conversations and it's going to change things. And I think by doing that and, and leading the way, and I don't think we're going to be the last ones to do it. I think we were the first ones to do it. And I think there's going to be more behind us. And that is awesome, right? We want that. Um, and we'll slowly start to change the ownership paradigm in women's football. And that really is our end state goal is that we'll have more equality and more resources. So the potential can be reached, not just for the athletes themselves, but for the fans, right? The ones who are showing up to watch the matches, the ones who are showing up for the, for the players, we need to make sure that it's a great experience for them. So if we start to change the standard of ownership and change the standard for how these matches take place, um, that's the ultimate goal is to shift that. And so mm -hmm. being the disruptors and having those conversations and pushing into this space and pushing forward, and hopefully we're the first of many that do it. Absolutely. And I, I hope I just to echo what you just said, I really do hope that, um, Mercury 13 and what you're doing really empowers and inspires more people to push into that area because 
like you you can't do it alone and you said it before as well it's like it can't just be mercury 13 and then everyone else is just complicit or everyone else is just like comfortable and letting it be because right now i think about say maybe in in sweden like women's football like we, as sweden is ranked number number one now um internationally but when you actually look at the financials of the women's clubs and and also even on the men's side to be honest you're like how are they performing so well and being watched by so many people and just ticking all these boxes yet when you look under the hood and you look at the profitability and the money coming in it just doesn't make sense and it ties back to what you said before where people have been content with well this is multi-billion dollars involved but actually no one's really making money that's right which is kind of crazy when you think about it and and you know coming from the business world and private equity it was like such a foreign concept to me that pro that value does not equal profitability like mm. okay that's interesting um the value and even in women's sports is so much also in the athletes themselves because these women have not been able to make money in their base salary but they do it more in endorsements they're really good at engagement they're really good with the fans and so to me that is a huge potential for sponsors like they may not have as many followers as like a messy but the engagement levels are significantly better and in fact like you can see that they're so committed i think it was um was it was it earths was talking about how she felt bad that she couldn't spend more time with the fans because she's gotten so popular but you know that that kind of commitment is what you see with the women and so for if you're a sponsor and you have these great role models like we have in these women and they can and they're so engaged with the fans that is a huge opportunity huge and the fact that as well when nike didn't sell her shirt that the fans were demanding and demanding it and i i can't remember the numbers specifically but i know that the the shirts sold okay. out in just an incredible like ridiculous yeah. amount of time right it's so wild it's, and it makes many ways it shows the demand for women's sports is there in almost every aspect you can think of absolutely and it it, it really echoes what you said about if we just treated this as a startup if we just treated this as a startup we would be making different choices right we would be yeah and it's also incredible to see that the fans can demand so much from the brands as well because it's not just the say the board that leads a specific club that have failed in air quotes women's sports it's also all the various stakeholders that sort of put limiting um i don't know processes on the sport as well like why did why didn't nike produce shirts and sell the shirts in the first place i really i really think that a lot of what's happening on the sponsorship side and in women's football in general just is based in we've always done things that way right and so it's really about disrupting that thought of we've always done it that way that way is not helping us grow right so let's figure out a new way forward that actually helps us grow and we're stumbling into some of those things but i think having more awareness and and having a, a deeper understanding and this is where the startup mentality comes from and i came from product development and a big part of product development is finding the opportunities to grow the product like little growth hacks you could do here and there 
that help you optimize growth. And it's the same thing, like where we're seeing growth opportunities, we gotta double down, right? Where we're seeing challenges that hold us back from growth, we gotta take the left turn, get away from it. And so if we, if you take that up, you take that mentality, that growth, that mentality, and you bring that into sports as a startup perspective, I think that's the way to challenge some of these things and to challenge that you've always done it that way. Hey, Nike, you've always, you know, been selling kit, but maybe not goalkeeper kit. Well, guess what? You missed a growth opportunity, right? And so we are stumbling into some of those things, but it really is that people are just so steeped in that we've always done it that way, which is probably the the killer of growth in most organizations. Absolutely. And so far, you've mentioned the impact that um, Mercury 13 is trying to make within the sports industry. But what about you, Nancy, as an individual, as a person? What impact are you trying to make within the sports industry? I really want to empower the the women with their own with their data, data that they understand, data that they can understand how to optimize their performance. Like to me, if we can do that, if every player steps onto the pitch and understands how they can fully optimize their own body, we now have made the player, the coach's job much easier. So how do we do that? We, we traditionally have not been very player centric in a lot of the solutions that have been developed. A lot of them have been developed for the coaches, right? The coaches get all this data and information, they work with the data scientists, and then they kind of push that out in, in the form of a strategy. But what if we could better empower the players themselves to manage their own bodies and performance in a way that they show up fully optimized and be very player centric in that focus. That to me is if I can get there, I would be super excited. And I think with the progress between generative AI and natural language capabilities and the and the ability to bring all this disparate data together better for the athlete, we can make this much more consumable um, mm-hmm. without overwhelming them and and really empower them to show up at their best. Wonderful. And um, is there anything that you're working on at the moment that maybe the listeners can check out? (laughs) Not at the moment yet. um, But what I will ask the listeners to do is check out women's sports, right? So tune in, take a mental note of the sponsors that are behind women's sports, support those sponsors, right? Um, demand better media coverage, like be vocal about it on social media. Like one of the things that drives me nuts is not just the fact that sometimes it's really difficult to find the matches, but the quality of the broadcast is just not the same as the men's. Like we need to be vocal about it. So like a call to action, you know, to show up and to expect the same quality, the same level of coverage and support those sponsors and be vocal about it because we this is an all hands on deck situation. <laughs> we need everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, your career is so inspiring. Like I'm super inspired and I will be honest, I was very starstruck in a way because I'm a huge fan of women's sports. So that's why I was like uh, mumbling and fumbling on my words a lot. So um if anyone wants to really take their career to the next level within the sports industry, what would you, what advice would you give them? Either from the perspective of, you know, like in 2020, you sort of moved from something that you were passionate about and were able to combine it with what you're currently working with, or from the perspective of they've been in the industry for a while, but they're maybe not 
they don't feel like they're doing that much like what what advice would you give to listeners that want to really create that impact with through their careers so the one thing i learned years ago that i've always carried with me is it's important to understand what your superpower is what you bring to different roles and so in my career at ibm i was moved around in different roles and sometimes that was really unnerving right because i was an act technical expert and then all of a sudden thrown into marketing but the thought the idea was is they were building me as a multifaceted leader and so i was always challenged to think about okay i'm in this new role and i don't feel like i'm an expert but what do i bring to that what is my superpowers that i bring to this role and so understanding what those superpowers are the value that you bring think about what you could then bring into a role into sports and if you think about it that way then you have a lot of different views on the opportunities there. I think people think like I, I never played professional sports, but a lot of people I work with did. It doesn't keep me out of the sports industry, right? But because I know what I can bring into it. And I think a lot of people just don't think that way, especially like retired athletes. Like if they understood like how much power and, um, innovation they could bring in just because they played the sport. I mean, I come from a, uh, a, a user-centric method of design, designing product. And so having someone who played the sport alongside of me is super powerful, right? Because they can tell me, give me perspectives I never understood. So think about what your superpowers are and what you can bring to the challenges of the sports the area of sports that you want to get into and i and i'm pretty sure you can figure it out nancy may i ask a question sure what's your superpower <laughs> i think my superpower is looking at technology and forcing it forcing a way to make it really consumable so that people can use it so it's not just technology for but for technology's sake it is technology that is highly usable and adds value to somebody and that may not even realize that it's AI, for example, that to me is the ultimate goal. And so that's what I really focus on at stats perform when I was there was like, let's make this really usable, really consumable across all areas of our portfolio. And so I'll always push the questions of why are we doing it? Not just technology for technology's sake, but what problem are we trying to solve? What superpowers are we trying to give somebody what opportunities are we trying to create with that and that that to me has always been my superpower to look at it very differently not just strictly from the technology shiny toy oh this is cool but does it have real value thank you so much for indulging me with that one um if people are listening to this and they go i want to have a conversation with nancy as well where can they connect with you where can they reach out uh, I am on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. <laughs> so I'm pretty easy to find. Okay, wonderful. And we will link uh, to your profile on, on LinkedIn um, in the description box. But thank you so much, Nancy, for just your fantastic energy. I really, I really connected with that quote that you said, not from my own experience, but from listening to you and observing you because I think that you really are one of the few guests that I've interviewed that really embody their quote. And it's it's not something that they thought of just so they can have a conversation with Lorraine. <laughs> so, so thank you so very much for coming yeah. on to the podcast. Thank you for having me. 
If your goal is to get more supporters, superior sales and real revenue, then visit our website at datatalks.sc and fill out our demo form to experience firsthand how we can help you. Data Talks, more supporters, superior sales, real revenue.